Hey there, everyone. This is the Water Trio podcast. Welcome back. It's great to have you. I'm Cassandra, and I'm here with my two lovely astro friends, uh, who I'm sure you already know, Kelly and Alicia. So what we want to do today is guide you through the tail end of 2023. So having a quick look at the months of November and December. So how are you both? Good. Excellent. Yeah, Good to be okay. back. It's yeah, it's, it feels like it's been a while. So I'm excited to do this today. Fantastic. So before we like dive right into uh, the data of this next two months, we just want to make a quick announcement. We're all going to be here together in Sydney uh, in January. So that's the 13th and 14th. We'll put a link in the show notes. We're going to be doing a deep dive in person into 2024. And uh, that's going to be happening in a little place in Sydney called Crow's Nest. So hopefully you can join us there. So did yes. any of you want to uh, add anything to that little announcement quickly? Well, it's just much love water trio ground, isn't it, Crow's Nest? We mm. Oh, my years. gosh. It's the beginnings. Water trio it's like the birthplace <laughs> of the water trio. <laughs> yes. yes. But we'll yeah. be exploring different techniques like perfections and progressions and different ways to do it but yeah have a look on all of our social media bios we have links there or go to my website to find out more and register yeah the register so it's a two-day year ahead astrology timing planning retreat and the registration info is available via all our channels but the sign up page is on leisha's website so um and that's aliciayusuf.com it is, and yep. early birds finish on the 12th of November. So do head over if you'd like to get the early bird price. Sign up soon Good for time. the best rate. Yay. Okay. Okie dokes. Marketing so. message done. <laughs> <laughs> um, hashtag water trio. Okay, so um, November. So I guess probably the first thing that uh, we wanted to mention is Saturn Stations Direct. So stations direct at zero Pisces, and that happens around the 4th of November. So we kind of kick off this time frame with a little bit of a flashback to March of 2023 when Saturn first ingressed into Pisces. So do either of you have anything that you want to kind of say about that? Well, Look, there's I'll, a theory yeah. that... You go, Leish. <laughs> Bernadette Brady, who's a well-known and well-loved Australian astrologer, has a theory in her book, Predictive Astrology, that when Saturn stations direct, that's actually when you start to feel its energy towards the aspects that will be coming up, especially in relation to transits to your chart. And I've noticed this because right now, you know, it's crunching slowly to station direct already. I'm noticing this in a lot of my client consults, people feeling the limitations, people feeling the blocks, people feeling the the sense of, okay, there's a hurdle on the horizon or there's some kind of challenge that I need to face. And just to make people aware, you know, Saturn's heading forwards. What is it getting to 12 degrees of Pisces in April next year? Uh, I think year? it might when be a it? little more. It goes up to about yeah, 19 I, yeah. in June. Oh, wow, 19. Yeah, so yeah. Saturn's yeah. going to power through like almost two-thirds of Pisces once it stations direct. Yeah, because it's really only played around in the in the – first part of Pisces this time or around. Eight degrees so, or something like that. Mm, seven. Yeah. yeah, it's only so, covered the seven. first seven degrees. So seven. not everyone's had a yeah. taste of this yet. Exactly. So just to be aware that, you know, if you have, especially if you have mutable placements, you know, if in Gemini and Sagittarius and 
in Pisces, of course, um, and in Virgo, that if they're in that first 17 degrees, you're going to be feeling this from this early part of November. So getting ready for it, you know, preparing yourself, you know, Saturn asks us to be strategic and to get clear on things. So getting ready for those challenges that may be coming up and using them in the best way possible. Um, we will be feeling more on this with the transits coming up, I think, and this will be really brought to light as things move into Sag. But did either of you girls want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, as um, Mercury, the Sun and Mars ingress into Sagittarius in the latter part of November, it's going to square Saturn straight off the bat. So it is going to really, you know, bring um, a less uh, vibrant come at me bro energy from from the planets moving into Sagittarius. And so, you know, November does see that Mars square Saturn aspect, which is uh, definitely, yeah, it's like, oh, we've got a bit of a hill to climb here. Um, you know, Mars square Saturn um, as the beholder of one. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a thing. So I think, you know, we can look at Mars and Sag and it's sort of, you know, reckless and exciting and dynamic and, and very rogue. Um, and, you know, that as soon as it ingresses into Sag, it squares Saturn straight away. So this is, you know, a little bit of checks and balances. Do you have the energy to do all the things that you said you're, you know, going to do? And I think Mars and Saturn is, I always come to the idea of, um, you know, uh, sacrificing what you want now for what you want most is a big Saturn, you know, Mars-Saturn type of dynamic. So do any of you girls want to kind of say anything about that Mars-Saturn? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the Mars Saturn. And then as you were saying, you know, as the planets come into Sag this month. So there is like a series of these squares to Saturn in Sag. Sat sorry, Saturn in Pisces. Saturn's just stationing direct, you know, getting back on track. Um, in many ways, it's like the first act of Saturn in Pisces is now done. And now mm. we're moving into the next phase of this transit. And then, you know, throughout the month, Mercury will square Saturn, Sun will square Saturn, and Mars will square Saturn. I one other way I'm thinking about because I agree with everything you've said, Cass. And then the other things that I would just add are, you know, squares to Saturn often put us in a position where we have to make necessary but uncomfortable choices. We're having to choose between something that might be a more immediate or more fun or more enjoyable versus something that is more substantive and more about protection or stability for the long term. So totally to your point, Cass, I often say sometimes these square or, you know, more tough or challenging aspects to Saturn are short-term pain for long-term gain. You know, particularly Mars square Saturn, it's sort of can you manage to self-regulate or restrain the impulsive energy of Mars so that you can direct that um, sort of fire engine energy of Mars towards a longer goal to create progress or are you just going a bit rogue and then giving yourself a problem but you're giving your future self a bit of a problem to a mess to clean up, so to speak. Yeah, and Mars and Sag def definitely has the capacity to burn out if it's not restrained a little bit, right? So, yeah, yeah the what you want most versus Wild. what you want now <laughs> can be a thing. It reminds me. It reminds me of a movie called Parenthood, like from the eighties. We all had it growing up. There's a kid with a toddler with a bucket on his head. And he's kind of running around, butting at things. You oh. know, he just keeps running into walls. It's such a Mars square Saturn analogy. Totally. What can happen if you're not clear on where you're going? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think totally. the clarity is a big Saturn thing. And I know Saturn in Pisces is not like the most logical placement for Saturn, but Saturn always has that earthy, practical, like come back down to ground. Here's your reality check. You know, this is what's what. You may not like it, but here is the way it is. And we've got to decide how to go forward from here. Mm, yeah. Especially with Mar- with Saturn in Pisces looking to Jupiter in Taurus. You know, it's it's definitely got that kind of grounded, practical, what's going on in the real world. Well, time they're both right looking now. to Jupiter and Taurus in, in this config these configurations, yeah, right? right? Yeah. So it is yeah. it's all coming yeah. back down to uh yeah, the earthly realities. Like, do you have the, you know, food in the fridge, money in the bank, or well, maybe not in the bank, depending, but <laughs> you know, all those practical Under realities, the right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a great point that you know, Jupiter and Taurus is sort of like the ruler or the influencing planet, the guide that these planets in Sag and Saturn in Pisces are looking to, you know, Jupiter and Taurus isn't in a hurry. Jupiter and Taurus is really like, let's just take a breath and see how we want to move forward. So it's not really that typical like Sag impulsiveness. No, it's not. Yeah, it's the uh, slow, the slow grounded practicing. I'm going to be inspired, but only when I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> I'll make the yeah. move when I'm ready. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'll dig my heels in if I'm not. <laughs> Very Taurus vibes. And so another um, feature that's worth noting in November is um, Venus's arrival into Libra. So yes. we, we get that until uh, sort of around the 5th of December. So having a benefic in her home sign is sort of adding something a little bit nice to the configurations of this time frame. So, you know, Venus and Libra, um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I do have a mix of thoughts, but sort of erring to the side of good thoughts, I guess. I'm definitely looking forward to this as, you know, it's been a long time since we've had Venus in one of her dignity placements, like Venus in Taurus or Pisces or Libra. And I don't know that Venus in Libra can solve all the problems in the world right now, but Venus in Libra is definitely a placement that is um, amplifying that idea of um, consensus or agreement or compromise. You know, Venus in Libra is trying to promote that sense of can we find some common ground? Can we reduce disagreement or tension? And so I think Venus in Libra can help with all kinds of negotiations where we need to use diplomatic skills or we need to be tactful or we need to be considerate. Um, I also think too, at a personal level about Venus in Libra as, you know, those little luxuries or those sweet moments or sweet encounters where we're getting just a little bit more of that, um, like, you know, sweet, like honey pleasantness of Venus coming through the cosmos. I do know we've got the South Node in Libra, and I think the first part of Venus in Libra is going to be the potentially most like helpful or conducive to agreement part of Venus in Libra. And then at the end of November, we have Venus with the South Node. And that's um, that's maybe a little bit more challenging for some of those Venus pieces. Um, but definitely keen to hear what you're both thinking about this. Leash? Yeah, well, I agree with everything you've just said then, Cal. And I think you know, Venus is the connective tissue of the sky. And as you say, you know, really since June when she 
entered a shadow, you know, went into that retrograde mode and then has been in Virgo. Now, this is actually Venus coming into some of her power. You know, I don't think, you know, being so present with the South Node, she will fully realise it. But I always think of the glyph of Libra being like a bridge, you know, as you were talking about, Kel, that ability to compromise or to share. And I think in this world is so polarised right now, it's actually Venus in Libra can offer us all an opportunity to try to see things from someone else's point of view rather than standing so solidly and this is my view and I'm, you know, this is the hill I'm going to die on. It's like, okay, I'm willing to come down to the party. I'm willing to try to see what life's like for you. I'm willing to try to understand what's going on here. You know, I think considering the strength and everything going on with Mars that we've already talked about and more to come, I do think Venus isn't going to be able to, as you said, Kel, solve all the problems, but she'll at least be able to go, let's call a ceasefire here and at least try to come to some sense of understanding. I think, you know, especially uh, when she gets closer to the south node and also the squares to Pluto, that will become less patent and less obvious. But, you know, especially in that early part, um, she'll definitely have some support there to be able to do that. So, yes, absolutely seeing it in our personal lives and way to do this. I know a lot of people who've been struggling with conflict within their um, personal relationships, friendships and things like that. So this might be a time to reach out to that person you're in conflict with and say, hey, you're important to me. Can we try to resolve this? Can we try to find a connection or a way through? What about you, Cass? Yeah, I'm probably slightly more metal about this. Um, you know, if you think about Venus in Libra, she's, you know, aesthetics are important. You know, it's the idea of things or the appearance of things can be a little bit more the focus than the, the nitty gritty of things, right? And when I think about the South Node, the idea of aesthetics comes through with the South Node as well. It's, a you know, that kind of that purifying, that cleansing energy, um, you know, it's a very spiritual point, the the South Node. And anyone that sort of, you know, goes into any sort of spiritual practices, um, you know, that, that cleanliness, that um, not being bogged down by material things um, is a very important part of that. So we kind of got this, you know, double whammy of aesthetics coming through there. And so I'm wondering if for some people this is really going to help, you know, whether it's personal, whether it's collective, what have you, like what is really the purpose of the relationship I'm in or what am I actually doing in this particular situation, whatever the Libra house represents to you? So in some respects, this is kind of like pulling away the gloss of Libra, pulling away the parts of Libra and getting to the, the stuff that she doesn't normally want to go down into. So it can be like a pulling apart or a breaking away um, and then maybe there's the, the opportunity then to sort of rebuild some pieces. But, you know, I'm kind of, you know, with my own liberal liberal bits, I guess I can sort of see all sides of the equation, you know, of how she's going to play out. But I'm probably erring on the side of caution here, thinking that, you know, this isn't going to be, oh, great, Venus in Libra, everything's going to be really sweet. I think it's definitely going to be more complicated and mm. it may bring some issues that, you know, that we didn't think was going to come up, you know, and given that um, it, this, this sort of 
transit and then the connection of the south node which i think happens on the 29th i think in the north 30th down here mm-hmm. it's almost like a the eclipse hangover aspect you know it's kind of um you know whatever got stirred up in october maybe what you're processing working through or churning through in november yeah and even into December, you know, because we've yeah. got the square to Pluto happening on the 3rd and then, you know, Venus entering into Scorpio on the 5th. You know, it's almost like the bonds of connection that you can make um, with Venus in Libra in the early part of November will be tested for sure. Mm. And I guess that's where, you know, that, that ability to go, yes, you're important to me. Yes, I want to be in this relationship. Um Will meet what's actually possible, what's real. Is it one of our classic lines, gals? I love you, but I love me more. Which of course was stolen from a show. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I I just think it's really important to remember that this Venus transit is a little fraught. It's not like, oh goody, Venus is in her own sign. This is sweet. It's a little bit more fraught. So it might force the you know venus in libra to face issues that she normally wouldn't face Mm. yeah Mm. it's not ideal it would definitely be better to have venus in libra without the south node there but it's the best we've got until the very end of the year true (laughs) it's like we've got to take what we can get we've got to make do with this because the next thing is not until you know venus is done with scorpio which brings us right to the end of december so yeah yeah. So maybe we just crack the champagne and, you know, worry about the hangover later, right? I mean, champagne <laughs> does help with lots of things. <laughs> Venus and Libra, a few bubbles. Yes, she, Venus, Venus does love her <laughs> bubbles, loves her bubbles. Yeah. So, and I know we, like, so, so there's the Venus piece and then I know one of the other wild card energies that we've been looking at in this November, December period is like what's going on with Mars. Mm, yeah. Oh, Yeah. Juicy Mars. So, yeah, that week of November, uh, sort of starting around the 13th, you know, we've got a new moon in Scorpio and then later that week, you know, it's sort of like Mars's new moon. So Mars makes the Kazemi aspect with the sun, a once-in-every-two-year event at 25 degrees of Scorpio. So Mars is not only in its home sign but it's also being renewed, you know, that sort of dross of the two years which really coincides with the whole previous eclipse cycle. It's kind of getting yeah. burned away, um, renewed, reanimated, and re-energized. And then, of course, you know, Mars, you know, re-enters combustion and then, you know, moves into Sag, you know, the following week. So it's a busy Mars time. It's going from sort of stealth mode, Scorpio, you know, getting secretly infused by the sun, like a secret from the king, and then it's kind of coming out like you know rogue reckless and still hidden and unseen which is kind of dangerous you know having mars Mm -hmm. in sag and invisible still so um and then of course hitting up saturn straight away which we kind of touched on already so mars is is definitely a feature for this time frame and then mars in sag takes us all the way to the first week of january so this is the energy we're taking out for the rest of the year because if my memory serves me correct mars doesn't exit combustion until or you know visibility under the beams until that early part pretty much till it gets into capricorn so yeah, um mars it. is it really combustion 
yeah, like at 26. January or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's really rogue. Like Mars is a real um, maverick, loose cannon for the for this period of time. Yeah, and there's, as you said, there's like so many things that Mars is going through. There's the Mars Kazemi around November 18, which is technically a really good thing, a really amplifying, well, it's a good thing for Mars, whether that's good for everybody is, you know, we'll, mm. we'll watch and see, but it is, you know, it's like Mars is getting a new mission statement or a new um, set of instructions for the next yeah. two years. And yeah. at a personal level, that can really help you get clarity about goals, projects, or challenges around the Scorpio part of your birth chart. Mars is both the ruler, obviously, of Scorpio and will be having this Kazemi in Scorpio. And so I think there is something quite, um, whether it's strategic or whether it's like, oh, the inside of like, I'm going to do this in the next two years. I think there's something on that level for each of us personally Mm -hmm. about the Scorpio part of our chart. But I think there's going to be some clearing that has to go with that. The purifying, what do you need to get rid of so you can do the thing that you want to do? Um, you know, because this is Mars. There's a sharpness, there's a directness, and there's an assertive quality to it. So that's definitely there. And then the Mars moving to Sag, that, that's the part where I do think we've got, yeah, like the rogue Mars and, you know, Mars things, whether it's our own impulsive desires, maybe <laughs> leading us astray or leading us into excess in general for Mars in Sag, obviously not for the 24 hours that it's square Saturn, but then it's in Mars, it's in Sag yeah. for a long, longer than it is square Mars. Um, And, you know, Mars things does represent, you know, war and military and aggression and discord and disagreement. And with Mars in Sag, one of the most kind of wild and free signs in the Zodiac, it feels like there is this unbound, uncontained energy to Mars. And because Mars is hidden by the beams of the sun, there's also that secretive, like I'm doing these wild things and I'm not doing them in the public eye, or I'm doing them, you know, under the cloak of darkness or under the cloak of secrecy. And so it's, it's sort of really like Mars is a little bit more stable once it becomes visible back in Capricorn, but we are looking at like the second week of January for that. Yeah. I remember obviously before world events really escalated and I was looking at this aspect, quite excited about it. And one of the analogies I thought of is, um, you know, when you've done your degree at uni and you're like this newly minted with all this knowledge, you get your bachelor's or whatever the degree is, and it's like the Kazemi, and then you're let out into the wild and you're fresh and motivated and you've got all this new knowledge and you're very idealistic about it and you want to spread it around and you, you know, you're so, um, you know, you haven't been uh, tainted by battle or tainted by experience and realise not everyone shares the same ideas about certain things as you do so there's yeah. that sort of um energy that's a coming great through, analogy like which is so, so, almost yeah. like the youthful naivety a little bit like it all enthusiasm but no experience yet yeah yeah which you know in some respects is really great and then in others it can be a little bit um not so great so you know Saturn might temper that just a little bit but as you said Kel it's so early in the piece and it's not re- it's not like there's a build-up to this I think it's there was a like- TikTok video I seen shared around that this girl was whinging that she's got a degree and now she has to work nine to five. 
<laughs> it just made me laugh so much. But anyway, um, and she's having all these whinges about it. And then it's like, oh, the world isn't really how I thought it was going to be. But oh, well, I've still got to get out there and do my thing. So, you know, that's a little bit of the energy of that aspect. Yeah. Look, for someone with Mars in Scorpio, you know, I know the tenacity and the drive and that willingness to just, you know, cut through everything. Mars in Scorpio will take you into the underworld and beyond. And, you know, the analogy I'm using with this is be careful what horse you hitch your chariot to, you know, because it can take you the long distance with this. Um, But it might go, you know, you might kind of find this amazing horse and think this is fantastic, but you miss that wild roll in the eyes that once Mars hits, you know, gets out of that Kazemi mode and then hits Sagittarius, it'll probably take you off in some direction you didn't expect. So it's being really careful what kind of energy you put in the traces. And I think as well, you know, Peter Levine was talked about, who's somatic experiencing, Dr. Peter Levine, he talks about how we have purpose to have drive to go after our goals it's a combination of dopamine and adrenaline or noradrenaline to have healthy aggression. And if we don't have the dopamine piece, you know, the feel good, the excitement, you know, about things, then we end up just singing ourselves to death, really. That's the possibility of that Mars in Scorpio because we're just always fighting battles that we can't really see our way through. So I think it's really getting to know not just what you do, but the reason why you're doing it will be a good way to help you understand what kind of projects, what kind of fires you want to light under yourself with this Mars energy too. So just making sure that, yeah, the reward in the end, which is what dopamine's seeking for, is actually worth the effort and the, the drive that you want to put into it. Be careful which horse you hitch your chariot to. Go those medieval analogies. Love it. Yeah. That's a nice one. I love That's it. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All righty. So um, what else did we want to talk about? I think we're going to talk about some. Oh, we've got. About the, the um, new moon, the sad new, new moon. The Sagittarius new moon. Do you have some thoughts on the Sag new moon there, Kel? Um, hang on one sec. Um, yeah, the Sag new moon. And then really the one, the lunation that I have, like my heart is looking forward to is the full moon in cancer. Cancer. Um, Mm. the Sag new moon, I think what we were just talking about was some of that wild Mars Sag energy, the new moon in Sag, this is a December new moon. It's around December 12th. It'll be December 13th in Australia. The new moon is at 20 Sag. Um, It's not far off a square to Neptune. Mars is at 13 Sag, really close to it. Um, In fact, both of the lunations in November, the new moon in Scorpio and the full moon in Gemini also have Mars involved in the lunations. So, you know, in November and December, we're going to have four lunations in total and three of them have got Mars as this like secret hidden stealth energy, which has a little bit of a disruptive, a little bit of a volatile tone. Um, And I think that really is very strong in the new moon in Sag. Um, The full moon in Cancer, though, that I do sort of feel like maybe I'm looking forward to it. It's the very end of December. So it's a bit of a ways out um, because now we've got a lunation that is off axis to the Mars. It's uh, 
the, the, the full moon is early in cancer. It, it's in its own sign and it forms a sextile to Jupiter. So there is this sort of, I don't know if it's nourishing or connected or sort of affirming and supportive kind of energy. It's, it's gentle. It's a bit more tender. Um, it'll be a nice change for that full moon energy compared to the three, um, the new and full moons we have before then. Um, what about you bit girls? What are your home, sort of thoughts? Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. home and hearth type of lunation. Like, yeah, you know, like get back down to connection. earth. Yeah, yeah, back to basics. Um, you know, to like a bit of a reflective and connective time before we sort of head into a new calendar year. So that um, that lunation will be quite nice. And also, you know, Jupiter is um, stationing at five Taurus around the same time. Mm-hmm. So which is the same degree that wound out October. So, you know, something about, I've you know, we said this in the pre-chat, there's something about this time frame that really does have throwbacks or remnants of March, April. So if you might remember, obviously March was when Saturn first ingressed into Pisces, uh, as did Pluto into Aquarius and I know that Pluto's not there yet but it's really at the tail end of Cap again right so you know the two big sort of heavyweights Saturn and Pluto are kind of in the vicinity of where they were back then um, and you might remember that in April we had a, a solar eclipse in Aries and then at the end of Aries I think and then Jupiter passed over that eclipse degree shortly after the eclipse about a week later And now we have Jupiter stationing direct, passing over the eclipse degree that, uh, you know, was the end of October. So there's something about this little time frame. And I know in client sessions and things like that, a lot of people have sort of really felt that time has felt different this year. Um, It feels like they're, you know, treading water or... Uh, everything's been a grind Um, and I don't know this is just a bit of a vibe that I've got that there's something about a a refresh and a restart like this was a bit of a trial period and maybe you just want to like you know just sort of not sign up for the full year of 2024 just do it by a month by month subscription (laughs) but this is that sort of feeling here you know with this it's like okay and especially with that full moon in Cancer, sextile Jupiter, there is that, okay, let's just slow right down, reflect, think back to the, you know, these March, April, there's a little bit of a similar different uh, vibe here happening. And it's like, okay, what did I learn? What happened? What changed? And what do I now need to do to um, you know, ride that wave of Saturn now that it's stationed, you know, direct, and now it's going to really kind of barrel through Pisces. It's almost like you're not just clinging to a piece of wood stranded in the middle of the ocean. That tide is coming in and you need to prepare and ride that wave. And so this period I feel like has been a bit of a, a trial run <laughs> this year. Well, I'm hoping that at least anyway. And, um, you know, I think that the tide is coming in. Um, and you need to prepare, whether that's, you know, good, yeah. bad or indifferent. So That's a really nice yeah. analogy, Cass, the idea of like the tide is turning. And I think with Saturn stationing direct in early November, <clears throat> Jupiter stationing direct at the end of December, both of them as we head into 2024 are like, 
you know, what do we need to catch making up moves. on? Yeah, mm. they're making moves. What, yep. what do we need even a do-over or second chance at from that like March, April, May period of 23? And then we're on to other things, if you like. Um, yeah. And I do think December, because one of the other planets, and I know we didn't talk about this, but it just vibes with some of what you're saying, Cass, like that slower energy, you know, like Jupiter and Saturn are both in cool, slower signs right now. Pisces yeah. as a water sign is cool and wet and Taurus as an earth sign is cold and dry. So yeah. cold signs move more slowly and Jupiter and Saturn, you know, the original outer planets for, you know, the bulk of the history Forever. of astrology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they are. They're not much, moving fast. They're really yeah. slow. They're feeling their way, whether it's tentative or just cautious, there's a thoughtful and deliberate, deliberate quality to both of them. Mm-hmm. And then adding into that coolness in December is Venus, who will be in Scorpio for most of the month. So December's not a big month for quick moves or major decisions. I love what you're saying, Cass, about like the reflection, the soaking in, they're sitting with it. And, you know, I love that Jupiter's stationing direct right at the end of December because I feel like that's very much like an indication that we have, because Jupiter is important in its own right, but it is the ruler of Saturn in Pisces right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even though Saturn stations direct in early November, it's going to be better for Saturn in Pisces once Jupiter is moving forward. And we have that as we head into January. So kind of like a slower reflective vibe as we're getting to the tail. And that seems to increase even with that full moon in the last week of December. Yeah. Yeah. Leash, what are your thoughts on some of this? Yeah. Well, we've also got Mercury retrograde, you know, in in Capricorn as well and an Earth sign too, making those trines to Jupiter through much of December. So, you know, that's something as well that's kind of going, okay, rethink things, review things. You know, we're not going to be rushing out of the gate here. And I loved what you are both saying about that full moon in Cancer. I mean, that's happening 27th of December here, 26th of December. You know, this is a family time. This is the reality. You know, we're being called back to family and maybe for that full moon it'll be rather than the family you have to spend it with on the 25th of December for those who celebrate, it'll be the family of your choice, you know, those people you feel real clan and belonging with. Yeah. Yeah, And, and with that Mars kind of, you know, out on its own. One of the things, one of the realities of this here in Australia is, you know, because it's summertime here, people usually spend that period of time traveling, you know, mm. going camping, driving all over Australia. But considering the summer that we've got ahead with El Nino, with the heat, there's actually meteorologists and um, national parks asking people to plan to spend that period of time at home to instead plan their traveling vacations yeah. in the cooler months. So they're inviting people to not be, you know, going camping in national parks in that period of time to, you know, not be making, you know, 12 hour trips across Australia, which we tend to do for those who are in the other countries who think we're mad. Aussies but, are know, a bit mad, but we um, love a good road trip. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, so save your road trips for Easter, you know, or September rather than that period of time, because we just don't know what's going to be happening weather-wise, you know, with Mars acting out the way it is, maybe it'll be the firefighters hitting the road um, rather than kind of war and soldiers necessarily here. So just something to be aware of in terms of your plans is potentially keeping Christmas and Christmas holidays close to home. 
Yeah, that full moon in Cancer really feels just like being in a familiar place with people that you feel really safe with. It's like those comforts. I mean, Cass, I know you usually speak to the Cancer pieces on all of our behalf, but it's like closeness and cuddles and connection. Not all Cancers are cuddly. We can be a bit crispy. Well, I think the crispiness that a cancer has doesn't necessarily come from the cancer placement unless they're feeling very defensive and then we get the exoskeletal. Yeah, we get the the claws Once you're inside, once you're inside, the shell is no getting out. But I think that full moon is like wanting to be inside that warm embrace of, like you said, least chosen family, you know, because not all of us are lucky enough to come from families where you're like, oh, enjoy spending time with my parents or siblings. Um, some yeah. people, it's better that you don't go near your biological family, but there are people in your life that you're like, that's just like a soul sister or a soul brother to me, just a soul, you know, yep. connection. Um, that's simple. Well, if it means anything, spirit. Kel, I've yeah. already started my Christmas baking. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. <laughs> of course you have. Of course you so have. there's some there's some cancer bits for you there. I love mm. it. Love it. A little bit uh, of rum for the cake, a little yes, bit for me. Doing the fruit. Yeah. 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 So there we have it. Um, thanks for joining us. That's November and December. So I hope that's really provided you with some insight and some good astro fat to chew on uh, as we basically just nosedive into the end of this year. So uh, quick announcements. We've already announced our water trio. And do either of you girls have anything that you would like to share with our listeners that they may be interested in seeking out? Uh, I think, yes. So the water trio event mid-January, I will also be teaching in Palm Springs at the end of January in Southern California. So if anybody uh, is in that part of the world. Uh, I will be doing some different material to what we're doing in Australia there. And I think the only other thing is that I have the next intake for my beginner astrology course is happening this November. So if you are interested in having, you know, more magic, more divine timing, a little bit more of that um, meaning and purpose from the cosmic perspective, if you want those kinds of things in your life, then learning astrology might be for you. Or if you've been studying at home by yourself and you want to fill in the gaps to really flesh out your foundations in astrology, um, my beginner course might be of use to you. And if so, you can check out the details for that and all of the upcoming events on my website, kellysastrology.com. Fantastic. And you gals? Leash? I have, uh, so internal family systems and astrology, Kestrel and I, um, due to sickness, have had to redo the date of that. So that is re- that is coming up in the middle of November on Sunday the 18th. I think it's the 18th uh, here in Australia and the Saturday beforehand in the US. So for those that are interested in understanding internal family systems, which is a psychodynamic way of looking at ourselves and, and harnessing that with astrology, it's great for astrologers to understand, to support their clients, but also for those just interested in personal development. So please come along. It's an actual workshop that adds onto the webinar that we did earlier in the year to really get into examples and get to practice it with each other as well. And then I'm holding a 2024 Astrology Year Ahead webinar on the 10th of December as well. So if you want to know more about that, keep an eye on my website or subscribe to my newsletter um, and that will be coming out. So what about you, Cass? 
so busy. Okay, well, like Kel, I do have an upcoming intake for Beginners Astrology as well. So we start that, I think it's on the 15th. So all of the details are there on my website, which is CassandraTindall.com. And the Golden Circle Club, all the uh, insights for November are ready. And uh, so that's my astrology membership where I go through all the monthly astrology with members and community catch-ups and all of that fun so all the insights are there and all of those details are over on my website and of course I'll be seeing you lovely girls in January in our birthplace <laughs> our Not astrology birthplace did you want to give a did you want to give a plug for Wellbeing magazine as well since all of us wrote in it Kel and I oh, did an article okay. yeah. have one uh, oh, that's sorry. a very good idea um I don't know if I have the, the most recent copy right at arms length but I can look. Sorry. Oh, threw you in there, but you do, you do have a habit of doing that. Here we go. <laughs> Here's what I prepared <laughs> earlier. Now, this is the one for next year. So this is the Wellbeing Astrology Mag. Um, I write the horoscopes. Kel's written an article. Leisha's written an article, and we've also got some really other fabulous astrologers. Yeah, great written lineup. for us. So you may have heard of some of these people. Uh, Adam Ellenbass of Nightlight Astrology, Gary Caton, uh, another Australian astrologer, Tiani, um, Wade Caves, Lynn Bell, um, Ninth House Astrology, uh, also known as Elodie, and uh, Lynn Bell, Patra uh, Tashert, and we also have Wendy Grant, who is our feng shui person, and um, someone that we may also know named Peter White. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wrote a lovely astro and tarot uh, article for us. So yeah, um, obviously it's Australian publication. It's quite expensive to have shipped out internationally, but you can also get digital copies. And um, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. That is, no, uh, the, I think the website's called Zinio. Um, but as I said, we'll put a link there and you can always grab the digital copies. Okay, Excellent. thanks for that, Leash. I for, totally forgot about that. Um, no and, uh, yeah, so thanks. If you're still listening, thanks for being here. If you haven't already, do feel free to like the video, leave us a comment. What are you excited about for um, the couple of months ahead? And, of course, um, subscribe to the channel and share with an astrology friend. And we will look forward to seeing you with some uh, 2024 insights real soon. <laughs>